This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back with you for the last show of the week. Hope you guys are all having a good day. Got cold yesterday, didn't it? It was just all of a sudden, the middle of the day, it turned. Um, I was actually out for a midday run when the rains arrived. Am I right a little bit about that today in the context of the Vikings and the Timberwolves, if that makes any sense to you. I'm still sorting it out in my head, but I've got a lot of little threads, a lot of little loose threads I'm picking at that might make for some good uh, some good comparisons. So we'll see about that on today's podcast. Um, it's going to be Vikings heavy, NFL heavy. Ben Gessling joins me here in a little bit to talk about Sunday's game against Buffalo, all the storylines there, a little bit of revisiting, revisionist history with Stefan Diggs and uh, and things like that. But a really interesting game coming up Sunday, whether or not Josh Allen plays. And uh, Ben did a great job helping set that up. Got some Aaron Rodgers stuff at the end, just some interesting um, comments that he made this week about Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, the Vikings have all sorts of storylines playing Buffalo. Green Bay definitely has all sorts of storylines playing against Dallas. And uh, Mike McCarthy coaching Dallas, of course, the longtime Packers coach, won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers back in 2010. So we'll get to that at the end of the show. But first, what did I miss? Um, you know, I was out at uh, Vikings headquarters on Wednesday. I usually get out there every Wednesday to uh, to, to record the Access Vikings podcast with Andrew and Ben. Find that, of course, wherever you find your finer podcast, wherever you can get daily delivery, you can get the Access Vikings podcast. Uh, but when I'm there, I'm also I also like to, uh, to to check in on all the uh, the media access and the availability they have on those days. Listen in, ask questions with Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Kevin O'Connell. Those are usually the big three that participate in a big group session. But there were other ones out there as well. Um, and I was struck. I want to I want to mention a few things that struck me this week from those sessions. Uh, first off, um, uh, Kirk Cousins had a lot of interesting things to say this week, talking about Stefan Diggs. I think Ben's going to write a lot about that for uh, for this weekend. Um, he had a lot of interesting things to say just about you know the, his, the wearing of the chains, things like that. But one thing that kind of got lost in the shuffle was he got asked you know, in conjunction, obviously, with the with the uh, with the Stefan Diggs game and, and playing Buffalo for the first time since that trade, Justin Jefferson was the other side of that trade, which worked out great for both teams. The rare trade that works out really well for both teams. The Vikings get the draft pick that becomes Justin Jefferson, a ready-made replacement for Stefan Diggs. And Cousins got asked when he knew that uh, that Jefferson might be. Um, you know, might be might be a special player, might be capable of filling those shoes of of a Stefan Diggs who had been very productive before he was traded. And usually, when a quarterback or anybody gets asked a question like that, they don't have something specific in mind. They give a pretty generic answer. Cousins, on the other hand, um, said he had a very specific answer. He said it was that Tennessee game, week three of the 2020 season, when he threw a go ball that Jefferson came down with, and all of a sudden he was off to the races. Jefferson finished that day with seven catches, 175 yards. Vikings lost a heartbreaker, 31-30. That was part of their uh, one and five start to that season. Um, but they knew they had something in Jefferson, at least Cousins did at that moment, which is rare. Week three of his rookie season and a very specific memory for Kirk Cousins. So interesting to me that he could identify the exact moment when he knew that Justin Jefferson was special and it was so early in Jefferson's career. Point number two that I thought was interesting, Kevin O'Connell talking about all sorts of things uh, about the offense on uh, on Wednesday, talking about 
you know, trying to wear teams down with the run game, maybe get, pop some plays in the screen game, was talking about Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, and he used the word interchangeable when talking about those two guys. Now, their usage this season has not been interchangeable. Dalvin Cook playing 71% of the snaps this season, Alexander Madison playing 29%. That's a very clear one-two starter backup split. What caught my ear about that was that Dalvin Cook is scheduled to make, is scheduled to count $14 million on the cap next season. That said, they can cut Dalvin Cook or, you know, restructure, cut, uh, they could cut Dalvin Cook and he would only count $6 million in dead money. So you can save about $8 million in 2023 if you just move on from Dalvin Cook, go to more of a committee approach, go a different direction at running back. Now, that wouldn't necessarily be Alexander Madison because he is not under contract even next year. He's a free agent after this season, probably looking to cash in after being the backup here to Dalvin Cook for so many years. Just caught my ear a little bit. I don't know if it's just how he thinks of these two specific running backs or how he looks at the running back position overall that uh, that maybe that maybe they don't need someone so expensive next season when when they have a chance to uh, to really evaluate the roster and do something different at running back. And finally, uh, tight end TJ Hawkinson was talking about the first game he played nine catches on all caught all of his nine targets and he's talking about the difference between playing here and playing in Detroit obviously a big difference is being in a winning airplane being in a winning environment you know Detroit came into that game one and six the Vikings were six and one now Detroit did the Vikings a big favor last week by still beating Green Bay after the Hawkinson trade but uh, caught my ear that Hawkinson said He's seeing, he's already immediately in that first game saw much different coverage than he did when he was with Detroit. When he was a more focal point of defenses because he just didn't have as much firepower, at least downfield firepower, as the Vikings do. Now, Detroit still got some offensive playmakers. I'm not saying that, but with Jared Goff at quarterback, Jared Goff really looked to TJ Hawkinson a lot of times. Here with Adam Thielen, especially Justin Jefferson, he said he was seeing a lot of, you know, coverages where he could really exploit the middle of the field because they were so worried about what the Vikings could do on the edges so look think about that as the year goes along think about that as Hawkinson gets more comfortable and think about that even in 2023 when he is also under contract and what he can do to uh, to not only help those guys get open but to really be a game breaker as he gets even more comfortable in this offense take a playcation to Mystic Lake with 24-7 gaming the good times never have to end and you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. It is Friday on Daily Delivery. Ben Gessling, Vikings beat writer for the Star Tribune, joins me Every Friday, pretty much every Friday, depending on uh, on the schedule. But this week, for sure, Buffalo on uh, on the on the Vikings slate of games Sunday. Uh, they've had this one circled for a while. I've had this one circled for a while as a uh, you know as a game where maybe we'll learn a little bit more uh, about this team. Although I think we've learned even even in these close wins, Ben, we've learned something about the Vikings, I and mean, we maybe we've learned that they aren't dominant, but they find a way to win. Um, I don't know if this game is the is the end all be all, but it's interesting in a lot of ways, and it might not be the the exact measure you're looking for because Josh Allen might not play in this game, or if he does, might be limited because of that elbow 
Um, as you think about this game, there's there's plenty of there's plenty at stake, but there's also a lot of subplots to this game with you know Stefan Diggs obviously being over there revisiting everything that happened two three years ago. Um, what do you what do you make of of this particular matchup at this particular time? Well, I think it would probably be different if the Vikings had the same uh, regime yes. as was the one that traded Diggs. I think that'd probably be a little different story. When it's a different set of coaches, a lot of different players, he's had success, Justin Jefferson's had success. I think some of that loses a little bit of the the spice factor that we probably would have had otherwise. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I'm sure there's still a little part of him that wants to you know, beat his old team, upstage Jefferson, probably just kind of the friendly competitiveness element to it. But yeah, I, I don't think this one rises to quite the same level. And he talked about it Wednesday. He said, there's nothing personal for me with it. That's a long time ago. I've kind of gotten what I wanted. I, I've had a lot of good things happen to me since then. And I, I'm talking to players that are still in touch with him too. It, it does sound like he's grown up a little bit and you know when you're the number one receiver for a team that's winning and I think he's a team captain at this point I, you know there's a lot of things that are kind of in your favor that you would be a little more agreeable to things but yeah I, I think overall it probably isn't quite as much of a you know circle it try to get revenge on your old team thing as we as we've seen the last couple of weeks maybe with Patrick Peterson and, and probably a little bit with Kirk Cousins too so um, yeah, it's still plenty of intrigue in it, though, in terms of he's going to be tough to stop, whether it's Josh Allen or whether it's, speaking of subplots, Case yeah. Keenum throwing him the ball. You know, it's interesting. Some of the revisionist history now, and maybe it's just history, um, as you think about it, and Kirk Cousins talked about it this week, you can speak a little bit more freely about it now that it's already happened. He's talking about, you know, some of the drama from 2019, and he's talking about, you know, Thielen gets hurt in a particular game and Diggs kind of carries them in yeah. a stretch that season, even though he's, you know, unhappy to a large degree with everything that's going around uh, around him. If if he had and Cousins said, you know, thank goodness Diggs is still on the team was his thought uh, at a certain point in 2019. That season could have gone completely sideways. That's the only season so far of Kirk Cousins tenure that's ended in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, that year was awfully important in the trajectory of anything that happened here. And ultimately, the trade works out just fine. Buffalo gets what they want. Diggs gets what he wants. And then they're able to, you know, you know, it, it seldom works out this way, but it's kind of a one-for-one one swap where they take the pick they got for Diggs and turn it into Justin Jefferson. Um, as, as you think about 2019 and some, and some of that, you know, revisited, how much of that did we know at the time? How much of that is kind of just interesting to think about now? In terms of... Cousins being told uh, it's not, it's it, it had nothing to do with you. I was going to say it's not your fault, but that's the line. From yeah, the there was there was some of that. He was asked about that, and you know, Diggs made it pretty clear. And I think there was there was this sense back then that Diggs was unhappy with Cousins, especially when he tweeted the day I believe that Cousins signed his contract extension. Yeah. It's time for a change. Um, and you know, Cousins went out of his way this week to say no. He had made it clear to me it wasn't about me, and maybe. Diggs, you know, that was just coincidental, or maybe it had nothing to do with with Cousins. But that part of it's interesting to me. Cousins had a lot of nice things to say about Diggs this week. Cousins threw the ball to Diggs a whole lot, so I don't think Diggs has a whole lot of complaints about 
or should have had a whole lot of complaints about his role in the offense, but clearly he wanted something different. He wanted to go to a team where they were going to feature him more. Um, just interesting to think about the way everything played out. Yeah. So the timeline there, as I understand it, I mean, it is interesting because yes, Diggs tweets that the cousins got his contract extension that morning. Diggs tweets the it's time for a fresh start or whatever it was. I'm going to have to look this up because I'm writing about this for Sunday. Um, I think it was that afternoon. And then late that night, it was like 1030 at night, they traded him. And it was hard not to connect all of those dots and think, right. okay, Diggs doesn't want to play with Cousins. The Vikings are trading because he doesn't want to play with Cousins. <laughs> I think it's probably a little more complex than that in the sense that from what we had reported at the time, um, basically as soon as it was clear they were going to – continue in this direction with Kevin Stefanski as the offensive coordinator. And it's going to be a more run heavy offense. It's going to be kind of the things that Mike Zimmer wanted when he fired John Filippo and made Kevin Stefanski the interim coordinator. Diggs was upset with that as soon as like off season workouts, OTAs, certainly in the mini camp, he, he was talking about trying to get out of here by spring of 19. And yeah. then as the, the, two-day absence in, I think, week four that year where they lose to the Bears to a back of quarterback on the road, and he doesn't show up. And I remember getting texts from people saying he's texting uh, former teammates or former team or current teammates are texting players around the league that uh, this guy has quit, that he's not coming back to the team. And then he shows up a couple of days later and said, no, I had a cold. I was sick. Uh, Hug in cheek, right? That was a very uh... yeah. It had a little bit of the Mean Girls. The I can't go. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> um, right. It had a little bit of that to it. But then the the famous there's truth to all rumors. That's right. That's so, right. Oh, I forgot about there's truth to all rumors. Yes, Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, wasn't that, that was... long ago either. It was like three. It's like three years ago. Yeah. And then the Vikings find him two hundred thousand dollars. He comes back and plays the following Sunday against the Giants. They get hot. Thielen gets hurt in Detroit, I think, in October, and then Diggs kind of becomes number one receiver. The issues, as I understood them to be at the time, were more about the overall direction of the offense. There was, I think, a feeling that Dalvin Cook was kind of becoming the focal point of it. There was also a little bit of this thing with Thielen because Thielen, I mean, they're friends, but I think Diggs wanted to be the the top receiver, the top sure. target, the top featured player in the offense. Thielen had gotten a new contract that summer of 2019 and the Vikings gave him a little bit more money on an average year basis than Diggs got. And I have heard from people who would know that there, there was concern immediately that that was going to be a problem that Thielen getting more than Diggs made it seem like Thielen was the, the favored son. I and mean, there was always kind of that thing where the one of us card gets played in some of this stuff. Right. And, and Thielen had put up awfully good numbers in 17 and 18. In fact, in 17, probably better numbers than Diggs did. But so there's a lot of that kind of playing into it. And the, the Thielen contract probably makes things more complex. Cook staying healthy and becoming the focal point of the offense probably makes things a little more complex. I don't know that Cousins was I, – I, I don't think it was fundamentally about Cousins. I think it was fundamentally about the way the offense was going and the way it was going to continue to go under Mike Zimmer – Cousins is also the type of quarterback, though, that is not probably going to be the type that you ever 
change it a whole lot from that, right? I mean, you know, we see them throwing it more now, and certainly they did with John Filippo, but he's not going to be Josh Allen in the sense of just, you know, bombs away all the time. He's going to make, you know, kind of play backyard football and, and that sort of thing. And it just wasn't going to be that type of an offense probably with him running it. So if anything, I think Cousins being re-signed was – Diggs may have taken that as a kind of a an indicator that well nothing's really changing that much yeah. around here. It, this is I mean this has been team running back for quite a long time, and I think that was as good of a sign that it was another year of running back as anything. And he gets the trade, and I, everybody kind of thought at the time, well, is Josh Allen any good? Is he going to be happy in Buffalo and in a smaller market? And, and lo and behold, it's worked out great. Josh Allen's turned into a great quarterback, and. They've been to the the playoffs the last two years, been in the AFC title game, and then uh, that it's division playoffs thriller against Kansas City last year. And they have a chance, I think, this year to possibly come out of the AFC. So it's one of those things, strangely, that's worked out for everybody, um, for the most part. I mean, I suppose the, the the GM that made the trade and the head coach that was here at the time <laughs> are no longer employed. But um, for players-wise, it's worked out uh, fairly well for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean they have not they have not made the playoffs since that trade, but no fault of Justin Jefferson certainly. Um, and you spoke of um, losing to a backup quarterback on the road. They will potentially um, try to avoid a similar fate this week, and that's like you said another potential subplot. Case Keenum is the backup in Buffalo. If Josh Allen can't play, it would be Keenum and Diggs revisiting the uh, 2017. Minneapolis miracle um, and all that that goes into that. And of course, revisiting to a certain degree, even the the decision um, that, that came even before the Diggs trade, obviously, of moving on from Keenum at that point and signing Kirk Cousins. There's just, there's so many dots to connect here and you, you can only go so far back in history, but it'd be very interesting if it was Keenum. I know Keenum's game has probably changed in the five years since he was here. Yeah. He's probably a little, he was probably a little bit more mobile then. And that was clearly his career year whether he just exceeded expectations whether he got a little bit of good fortune whether that was just a good fit in um in that offense at that point that with, with pat Shermer, <clears throat> maybe a little bit of all of those things but if it is him on sunday that will only add to the uh, the element of, of subplot here yeah there there's a lot in this one leslie frazier of course the defensive coordinator over there as well um yeah there's there's a lot of of kind of trips down memory lane for a team they play once every four years that go into this one. And I, we've probably talked about this in fragments of it, but I, I have often wondered if Marcus Williams waits a half second till Diggs lands, makes the tackle that game ends with Diggs inbounds and the clock runs out, they blow it at home. How different are the last five years in terms of, yeah, I mean, Diggs probably still gets paid. I think, but they, I mean, I was thinking about this today. When when this building opened, the building I'm sitting in right now, opened, there was like floor to ceiling pictures of the Minneapolis Miracle in the media room. This was in the Vikings team uh, museum, the Hall of Fame kind of thing they have on campus here, as some of our listeners have probably seen. It was everywhere. Like this was, you know, possibly the greatest moment in franchise history. And Diggs was certainly at the very center of that, and he gets paid. That offseason, he was kind of the, the the contract they gave 
to a player right at the beginning of training camp. They, they like to do that quite a bit, an open training camp with a splashy signing. And he was the guy the first few days that the facility had been open. So he gets paid, yes, but does Mike Zimmer last as long as he did? Does Rick Spielman last as long as he did? They don't go to the NFC title game. So do they think they're still a player away? Do they yeah. think they are a quarterback away? Do they sign cousins? I mean, there's there are a lot of dominoes that I have. And it's it's impossible to know. This is just a butterfly effect thing that it's impossible to know where this goes. But I have wondered many, many times over the years, if Marcus Williams waits and makes that tackle, uh, how different does the picture of this team over the last, well, five years since then look? And of course, here we are five years later, and the Vikings are seven and one, and the team most clearly standing in their path in the NFC is once again the Eagles, uh, yeah. just, like, just as it was five years ago. The difference being this year, um, things change a little bit when there's only that one buy, I feel like. It, yeah. it's, it's a different feeling right now because they, they'd have an awful lot of work to do. I know it's a long season. I know it's a long season for them. I know it's a long season for Philadelphia, but when you add that extra, you add that seventh team. You take away the, the the second bye, and you're essentially two games behind the Eagles right now because the Eagles already have the tiebreaker from right. being the Vikings' only loss. Um, if you get down to the end of this and you still have to win three playoff games, even if you have an exceptional season and are the two seed, that that changes the the math of uh, of what it takes uh, to 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 get there. That yeah, that two seed is difficult because. You don't, I mean, yes, you open at home, but you don't have that much of an advantage over three or four in the sense of what you get from winning your division. And that seventh seed right now is a little bit tricky, and we've got a long way to go. But you could have Tom Brady quarterbacking a seventh-seeded team. You could have the 49ers as that team, which I think is a probably not the matchup you'd want to see. Um, I think there is a... This is a more remote scenario, but they're only a game out of it right now. I, I don't think they're heading in a direction where they're going to get back in it. But it's possible you'll have Aaron Rodgers coming in as the seventh seed. You know, as if they get in, if the Packers get that last wild card spot, somehow get themselves righted after losing five in a row. I, like I say, I don't think that's going to happen. But there is that that possibility that that's the team that comes in. So that two seed is not the easiest way to go about it though i guess the two years that we have had this system the number one seed in the nfc which has been the packers both times has not gone to the super bowl so uh losing nfc title game at home to tampa in 2020 and then obviously lose to san francisco last year so um you know you it's not impossible to do it but i think anytime you can get a buy and anytime you can basically say well you know basically take a free playoff win uh you would certainly do it the the interesting thing with the schedule, the way it sets up in terms of subplots, if they were to win the division and open on Wild Card Weekend, if they played on the Saturday of Wild Card Weekend, it would be January 14th, which is the five-year anniversary of the Minneapolis Miracle. Wow. So it could be their first home playoff game in five years, uh, five years to the day after Stefan Diggs. Wow. Well, uh, that's a, it's a ways off. We got to, They got some work to do a couple months before they would get to that point, but awfully good at this point at seven and one um i want to pick your brain on one thing that i was thinking about too with kirk cousins the chains everything he's the, the wearing the chains on the way home he got asked about it a lot this week the manning cast and he's had some funny comments about how you know he's kind of playing along with it how his his 
wife kind of laughs at him with, with everything that he's that he's doing. Um, stuff like that, stuff like O'Connell getting slimed earlier this year, stuff stuff of that nature, still having a hard time parsing how much of that is a byproduct of winning and how much of that affects winning. And I don't know if it necessarily matters that we know the answer, but I'm curious to, to hear what what you think. How much of this of, of these like little things that are fun that just become, you know, media stories at a certain point just because yeah. he's got a shirt off in this last one. Like that, that they don't they don't win a game because Kirk Cousins is doing that, but but do they kind of? I don't know. Yeah, I mean this has been the question with them the entire time, right? I mean yeah. in the offseason it was top golf trips or you know, Kevin O'Connell's throwing at the first pitch and had him dealing softball game and, and razzing players as they're taking their hacks. I mean, you know, those types of things have been part of it since the beginning. There's obviously a belief on their end of things that this stuff does matter. It, does it contribute to victories directly? No. Um, their thought process is that if I have a better connection with the guy next to me, if I'm on the offensive line, I'm likely to go a little bit harder for that guy because I don't want him to look bad. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, I, I'm just worried about doing my job. I got mine. I don't care about the rest of you. You know, that's that's that. I've, I'm have i going to get positively, positively graded on this play. I'm not going to go have to do any extra work. Uh, if I do my job, I'll be fine. So, you know, how much of it is quantifiable? None of it. But right. they, I think believe that it does have an effect and i i certainly think coming out of where they were players are leaning into all of it right now and and you're not probably doing these things i mean you're not having kirk cousins dancing on a plane if you lose that game last week it's just not right. he, even he says it like i have self-awareness i'm not going to do that if we lose yeah 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 I, I think that he would it'd be a very different flight home but I do think there is probably a little bit of a feeling right now of, hey, there are a lot of guys in this locker room that have been through a lot of losing and a lot of atmospheres where things are tight and things are tense. So if we can let everything be a little bit more jovial, a little bit more fun, uh, let's try to do that and, and have people uh, you know, kind of take whatever benefit there is onto the field from that. They've not had a lot of adversity this year, and that maybe that's where I'll maybe that's the final thing I sh- well I want to bring up. But the schedule definitely gets harder. We've been saying that at a certain point, you know, certain games were supposed to be harder. They got a break with Miami, and the Tua wasn't playing. Even if Josh Allen doesn't play, this is a hard game. Um, yeah, Buffalo's got a great defense, uh, the number one scoring defense in the league. After that, you've got Dallas, New England. You got the Jets in there too, and the Jets look like an easy game to start here. That's not an easy game anymore. That's a yeah. they're they're playing pretty well. They can scare you. They just beat Buffalo, um, so that's not a not a layup of any stretch. If they face some level of adversity in here, whether it's you know two losses, three losses, I don't know what it is. How do you think? How do you think the culture stands up to that, or how do you think that plays in the locker room where? They've largely been able to take their lessons and wins, not losses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Kevin O'Connell has talked about this, that that's really where it gets tested, that when things aren't going well and there's a temptation to point fingers, that's kind of when you need people to say, hey, we're going to be all right. We're just going to go back to work and fix the things that we need to fix. And I, I have had that conversation with him and I've had that conversation with people around him. I mean, the Rams last year 
his name starts coming up for jobs when the Rams are in the middle of a losing streak that lasted like a month. They lost to the 49ers, the Packers, the Titans. You know, the types of losses that would make you think this is not a team that has the credentials to go all the way. They're they're losing to teams they're going to have to beat yeah. in the end to get to the Super Bowl. So he talked a, a lot about how that stretch, and Wes Phillips has talked about this too, that that stretch could have sunk that team. But it they felt like it was mentality that we are not going to blow up what we do. We are not going to start pointing fingers. We are not going to react harshly to players when that's not justified. I mean, you talk about what needs to get fixed here. You don't mince words on what needs to get fixed, but you don't do it in a way that just beats people down. They felt like that was what helped them get through that stretch. So I, I think they would try to bring the same mentality to it if they do go through that. And I, I think law of averages suggest they're not going to come through these next four, four and oh. I mean, I, I think this losing streak or the winning streak probably does end at some point in this stretch. I, I think it would be hard to imagine that it doesn't, but. They also have talked about how we react in these types of moments has a lot to say about the way we do things. And I think a loss like one they may sustain here in the next few weeks gives them a chance to kind of put that into practice. I still don't think of them as a Super Bowl contender, even though they're seven and one. I had a different feeling in 2009, especially the Brett Favre. They just felt like they were a different, you know, a different kind of, I think they were seven and one that year at one point too, maybe even seven and no, I can't remember exactly how that season went. Um, at what point, maybe you're there, maybe other people are there already. At what point are they just legitimate Super Bowl contenders? I mean, aside from just having a record that suggests they're going to be a playoff team and could be a high playoff seed, when do we start legitimately saying this is a Super Bowl contender at, at some point? Well, this week's your best chance to make that case. I mean, you, you look at the rest of the schedule, and the Cowboys probably are in that mix as well. The Jets, I think, are legitimately good, but it's hard to say that. I, it's probably a little bit like the Vikings, where it's a little hard to say that for sure. Um, the Giants are on the schedule later in the season, and I think the Giants you kind of put in that same boat of, are they really this good? And, you know, we we make these assessments based a little bit on what we saw the previous year. I mean, we're sitting here saying, well, this guy isn't established or we don't know as much about these players, so they don't have as much equity built up. How can we trust them? I, you know, we should we do that to the degree that we do? I don't know. I mean, it, it's probably, it probably gets overblown a little bit. It probably turns into a little bit of a media narrative, but I will say this, this game, this weekend, even if it's not Josh Allen, especially if it is Josh Allen, but even if it's not, you go beat that defense on the road, a defense that I don't think has given up more than like 17 points all season. If you go win that game, um, it it speaks pretty well of your chances. I, I think no matter what, if it's Keenum or whether it's Allen, a win this weekend would give them the ability to say, look, we went and did that. This shows we can win these types of games when it matters. We'll see if they are able to do that Sunday. Um, Ben and Andrew will talk about that after the game, I'm sure, on the Access Vikings podcast. We'll do some more podcasting next week as well. Ben Gessling, appreciate it. Talk to you next week. All right, Mike. Thanks. Good stuff from Ben, as always. And let's finish now with the cooler. Aaron Rodgers asked a lot this week about playing Dallas, coached by former Packers coach um, Mike McCarthy, who had tried to downplay his, uh, his return to Lambeau Field earlier this week. 
Rogers some interesting answers when asked about his relationship with McCarthy, which did not end all that well. Um, you know, by the end, the Green Bay was definitely ready to move on to Matt Lafleur, and they've had a lot of success before this season. Um, Rogers and Lafleur together, but of McCarthy, he said. I think as time goes by, the gratitude for that time, as you look back on the journey of your career, goes up a little bit. I appreciate the little things a little bit more because really this game in life is about the journey. I'll always be tied with him because of the connection that we had and the years we spent together. Obviously, my longest tenured coach, my longest tenured play caller, I'm thankful for those years and thankful maybe a little bit more now as the years go by. Uh, We make fun of Rodgers a lot on this show, but I thought that was a pretty gracious uh, answer for him in that moment and you know some some probably some truth he's probably getting a little wistful about the entirety of his career Uh, maybe thinking about the end a little bit at this point and what they were able to accomplish his only Super Bowl coming with McCarthy and uh, you know even though it didn't end well you do appreciate those highs so I just I enjoyed his answers to those specific questions and I thought I would pass them along as well that will do it for this week Patrick Royce should be with me on Monday to cover a busy day of uh, a busy weekend, I should say, of sports. Obviously, the Buffalo Vikings game, a huge one. Gophers play Northwestern. Need to get that one in the win column before those big games against Iowa and Wisconsin to finish the regular season. We'll see if the Wolves can pull it together. Not holding my breath. They got to change something other than they need to be. They need to know how to change before they are going to affect change. We'll see if they finally figure out how to change and not just say they want to change. Royce and I will cover all of that, I'm sure, and more on Monday. Until then, enjoy your weekend. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you again in a couple days. 